there, Green Future Growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. But, uh, you know, just like just like garden anywhere, it's, it's a constant experiment. And you, you learn and you try to take some notes and then be able to find your notes the next year so you can you know, not make the same mistake a second time, which uh, I'm not very good at doing. Is like always, I'm always you know, trying to say, all right, yeah, by Valentine's Day, I need to plant my tomatoes. And usually it's about the, the second or third of March that I'm planting them. And then they're always, you know, a couple of weeks from being ready before, uh, before it gets too hot in the summertime. So it's... That's from my interview number 162 with Denny Cray, which is a great listen. He talks all about vermiculture. Hey, everyone. So I just want to remind you, this is the most important time to be taking good notes on what's working well, what's not working well, what don't you want to forget come next February and March when it's time to order supplies or do your design. You know, what are your favorite seeds or what do you want to plant more of? Do you want more broccoli? Like you might think I am never going to forget this, but you probably are going to forget it. And um, a great way to support the Green Organic Gardener podcast um, would be to get our garden journal. That's got a beautiful butterfly that I took a picture of on our lilac. So it's like a little part of our home and your home. It's got blank pages and line pages and um, it would really support us a lot. Um, so, but most of all, we want you to have good records. Hey everyone. Have I told you about the Forager Project? They're a hundred percent organic plant-based food company based in California, dedicated to making a world a better place than they found it. Don't you love that? They make yogurts, kefirs, all these cool things out of organic cashews. Do you know that cashews are actually a seed on an apple? Yeah, I found the coolest um, video on cashews. Anyway, so they turn these cashews into sour cream, cottage cheese, milk, yogurts. Um, they're really delicious. They sent me samples, actually, in a FedEx box with ice. It was so cool. Um, they're absolutely delicious. Forager Project is passionate about creating healthy, organic, plant-based food and equally passionate about nurturing a healthy democracy. They believe that voting is the most essential ingredient needed to do this. Forager wants to inspire everyone to get out and vote. And that means you participate in our democracy. They provide voting resources and information for you at foragerproject.com forward slash vote. Or on the socials like Instagram, Twitter, etc. at Forager Project. Cultivate democracy. Vote. Um, he's in charge of all that kind of stuff. And, um, I'm in way over my head. (laughs) I like to eat organic food. I, I did for the very first time this year, plant my own broccoli seeds that grew into little broccoli plants that are growing in the garden this year. Those are the first like things I've ever really like a vegetable. I've grown herbs. I always grow basil. I'm pretty good with the herbs, but these are my very first, my own vegetable seeds that I plant that didn't go in the ground. I guess, you know, I've planted like lettuce seeds and carrots and stuff like that, but I've never planted like seeds and pots that I transplanted outdoors right. of a vegetable right. and they're growing. And I want to say I planted zinnias this year or did Mike plant those? And I just, I think usually he's the seed guy (laughs) and, um, and he's the chicken guy and we've had chickens for 20 something years at our home. So I'm in Northwest Montana, like up by the Canadian border, pretty far away from Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and more people are moving here and with climate change and whatnot i don't know what happened but there's been like a huge grizzly bear problem in our neighborhood the last two years oh. so we've had chickens and the chicken coop and the chicken fence for 20 years and have never had a problem and two years ago there was an article in the paper that said the only thing that stops grizzly bears from your chickens everybody is electric fencing get your electric fencing fish wildlife and parks is like helping you just put an electric fence up and mike and i were just like oh that's absurd you know we've had this chicken and sure enough the, here comes the bear like destroyed the root like shove the roost through the particle board wall like literally it is wedged in there and we can mike cannot get it out and this is like a four inch post wow. that's shoved through this that's how big this bear was and then one of my neighbors posted a picture of him her like eight-year-old daughter managed to get this huge piece so we've all seen the bear so he came through and and it was our first year we ever had baby chicks actually hatch from a mom this is after like almost like i said 20 years we never had chicks actually hatch and survive and these chicks were almost they were like two months old maybe when he came through and 30 days later one of them pops up out of the blue from like she'd been living in the woods I don't know where, but all of a sudden she came through and she made it through all last winter all by herself, this poor little hen. Gosh. And we finally got her a rooster and the next day, here came the grizzly bear back. Oh, bugger. So we, that has been my challenge. And so now we have two, I thought I was getting chickens. Get home, get them out of the box. We put them in the chicken pen and they are like itty bitty teeny tiny baby chicks that I got right. like 10 days ago. Okay, and it's you know do you have a do you have a brooder for them? You're providing any sort of supplemental heat because if they're not fully feathered, I mean I guess okay, you know not, no no they're all right they're not that small. Oh, okay. they have feathers. No, oh, okay, good. they've been through pretty cold nights already. They're down there. They're doing good. Anyway, okay, good, good. I'm going to introduce <laughs> you, but that's my long short story of <laughs> chicks and chickens and like how like I shouldn't necessarily be the one. My husband takes care of them. But part of it was like for this like period of time that we've had here where I've been back to buying eggs at the store, I've been feeling so guilty because I feel like we actually have a pretty nice home for chickens and they have like these really nice plants that they can like hang out under that for some reason like they do not pick to death like anywhere else they've been. Yeah. There's like nothing, you know, there's just pure dirt, but these yeah. plants, they and so they have a really nice place to hang out and it's you know nicer than most chickens lives and so i i want to have chickens but i always struggle Good. With well yeah i mean it's always not always like you're always letting them out and you always want to you know they're going to get killed out there we have to protect them <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean we've got you know coyotes and and uh you know foxes and coons and so but yeah no grizzly bears in well, I mean, there are some parts of Florida that have bears, but not where we are in coast. So, uh, but more more inland in Florida, there are bears. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's been just like I don't know if there's too many bear. Like I think they like they were endangered, and now they're coming back, and they keep transporting them here because we don't have a lot of people. But then more people are moving in, and then last summer was so hot and dry. I don't know what's going on, but I should introduce mm. you. <laughs> <laughs> and let you okay. talk. See, this is why my listeners are like, Jackie, be quiet. Yeah, uh, shut up. <laughs> okay. Now, tell me how to say your last name. It's Pascal Defue Pierce. Defue Pierce. Pierce. If you just want to say Pierce, that's good. <laughs> okay. Um, and then it's 
Brinzia? Is that the name of the company? Brinzy. Brinzy. Brinzy Products. Brinzy Products. Okay. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Friday, August 21st, 2020, and I have an exciting guest on the line to talk to us about hatching chickens and just, I think, anything you need to know about chickens. Um, and <laughs> I'm just going to let her talk from here on out. So welcome to the show, Pascal from Brinzy Products. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Pascal. So... Well, I'm so glad we managed to connect and thank you for coming and sharing with us and go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and, and Brinzy. Okay. Well, um, I, uh, started, I'm, I'm French as you can probably tell, uh, from my name and, uh, and possibly from my accent as well. Um, but I, uh, I started, uh, working for Brinzy, uh, back in, in the UK. Uh, this is where the business started, uh, back in 1976. Uh, I wasn't, uh, with them then, but, uh, I started back in 1994. Uh, and, uh, in, uh, 2000 and, uh, around 2000, um, I was uh, invited to uh, come and help uh, develop the uh, business in the U.S. Uh, so I uh, made the move, <laughs> and I haven't regretted it since. Uh, in Brinzy, uh, is we're, we're the incubation specialist. That's uh, that's the focus of of the business. Uh, it was uh, started by uh, an engineer. Uh, who lived on a farm and uh, decided that the incubators uh, available were certainly not doing the job and he could do something better initially for himself and then it uh, grew to, uh, you know, uh, Brindy now employs uh, more than 30 uh, people in the UK and uh, have distributors all over the world. Uh, and I really mean all over the world. Um, and uh, so, you know, here in the, in the UK, uh, we cover the U.S. and Canada and a bit of Mexico as, as well. So I've been manufacturing uh, egg incubators and, uh, and chick brooders and, and uh, you know, egg candles. Anything related to, um, to incubation really is, uh, is what we do. Recently, we've also introduced uh, some automatic uh, chick coop. Uh, openers, which uh, are doing very well. So slightly expanding, you know, in the life cycle of products of, you know, cycle of the, uh, you know, chickens. Uh, but uh, that's, uh, that's, that's what we do. Okay. So one thing, uh, I'm always fascinated with, with France. Like I got to go to Paris in 2016 and like if I die tomorrow I will be completely happy like that was my final life goal and I was so excited <laughs> so I'm so into French like where in France did you grow up like this is so exciting and then like you moved to England and then you went to Florida? Mm -hmm. Well I guess um, my father was Air Force so we moved a lot from you know when I was when I was a child we spent you know two years on a French island in the the Indian Ocean and then within France you know we moved around as well so I guess you know from a very young age I was used to you know moving and uh, you know different different experiences different cultures um, that's always been you know something that I enjoyed so um, yes when I the opportunity presented itself to you know 
to to move to England first and then to move to the States. I, I didn't hesitate. So. so I do always start out my show asking about, like, did you have a garden? Like, are you a gardener? Absolutely. Yeah. You raise chickens yourself? Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, we, yep, absolutely. We have... Uh, 15, 16 at the moment, a few too many roosters that are going to have to uh, uh, to hit the pot, <laughs> uh, but uh, to keep the ratio, you know, more more in line. Um, but yes, absolutely, uh, very much, not, not a city girl uh, myself, uh, very much uh, enjoy getting my hands dirty. I, we, have, we have a large, uh, uh, possibly a bit too large, you know, we've got like four and a half acres, so plenty of um, gardening, a lot of trees and 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 lawn but um also have you know obviously floods and uh which can sometimes be a bit of a, a challenge in uh, in florida particularly in the summer heat and humidity uh yeah it's still some experimenting going to uh, have something that looks good year round but uh and also have a vegetable patch so yes and my vegetable you know this time year is is a fallow uh nothing nothing really grows so but i'll be getting ready to you know start seeding some uh things i have some grow lights and i start the plants under that and then i you know transplant them i mean typically around yeah, a month or so uh maybe a couple but uh, so yes, our, our gardening here is uh, is best through you know winter and early spring, and after that it gets you know too hot, too humid, and everything dies. So. so then I do always start my show asking about your very first gardening experience. Like, were you a kid? Like, were you raised in a garden with an Air Force parent? Like, <laughs> what do you first remember? Who were you um, with, and what did you grow? Yes, no, we we didn't have no, we didn't have a lot of the time. We were in small towns, but in apartments. So my, I guess my first experience was um, typical, you know, uh, French. You go and visit your grandparents for a month in the summer, uh, and they were in the countryside in the southwest of France, and. Um, I, both my grandparents had very large uh, gardens and I would sort of go and help my grandparents. Uh, and then, you know, when uh, when I could have, I, just, I always had a few herbs <laughs> that, you know, because that's easy. You can grow them on a windowsill and that's, you know, so I guess, yes, that was. But a proper, you know, dirt garden was, you know, when I was probably seven or eight, you know, with my grandparents and sort of helping them do whatever you're doing oh i love this i want to write like a children's book about it. <laughs> uh well so tell us what we need to know about raising baby chickens and incubating and stuff like that okay so well i mean a lot of people initially uh when they decide chickens probably uh, start by, uh, you know, purchasing a few uh, day-old chicks from, you know, a feed and seed store or, you know, a tractor supply company. Ace Hardware is now, you know, offering some as well. Um, you can you can order them, you know, some online as well, you know, various hatcheries uh, that offer, you know, different uh, breeds. Uh, so you have, you know, pl there's plenty of choice if you want to sort of get your toe in, you know, get a few day old chicks and, uh, and 
then you know, obviously they you know they'll grow and they'll lay their own eggs and obviously if you if you are allowed and that's the I should say you should always check you know the local ordinances to make sure that you know chickens are allowed. I mean usually chickens are allowed but roosters are not so obviously you wouldn't be able to breed from your own flock if that's the case. Uh, but, you know, if you're just looking at um, having, you know, a few hens uh, for the eggs, then that's not really an issue. Obviously, if you want to, you know, expand on your flock and bring, you know, breed from your own stock, you will need a rooster. That's, uh, that's an absolute must. Um, then, you know, uh, if you, you want to get into, uh, and obviously, I should say, if you, if you go with uh, purchasing uh, the old chicks, they need to be kept warm until they're fully feathered. So you'll need uh, a brood of some sort. There's some infrared brooders, uh, but it can be a bit dangerous, you know, risk of fire, etc. Um, we much prefer uh, the uh, heat uh, type uh, brooders. Uh, they're much, uh, much safer. Don't produce so much heat, but it's a much more natural uh, approach. And chicks much uh, prefer that it sort of replicates what the mother hen does for them a lot closer than you know a big uh, a big uh, hanging uh, light over their heads. So um, so then um, if you want to you know uh, jump into uh, purchasing an incubator and uh, and trying incubating the eggs, then obviously the process is a little more involved. Um, but you know so first you'll have to source some fertile eggs. And again, you know, you can find uh, there's some resources online, uh, but probably best if you can source the eggs locally. They don't get, you know, so, uh, I mean, there's always risk of damaging, you know, physically, obviously, cracking the eggs, but also the internal structures of eggs get sort of disturbed in, in shipping. Um, so if you can source eggs locally, that's, that's better. And better, better hatch rates uh, usually. Uh, you can't usually buy to uh, the store uh, and uh, you know purchase some eggs that are usually not fertile. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that wouldn't help. So uh, just make sure that you're buying fertilized eggs. Um, and then um, for 21 days, uh, you know, to to hatch. So basically, you would uh, you know. Put them in the incubator. Typical temperature uh, for uh, incubators that have a fan that you know circulates the air is 99.5, uh, and uh, the eggs need to be turned as well. Uh, so typically, uh, most incubators with automatic turning will turn the eggs, you know, every hour typically, um, and uh, if you're doing it manually, there are some incubators that you know don't have uh, automatic turning. You need to do that uh, a minimum of three times a day, uh, more if you can. Um, and um, and then also um, you need to. There's water reservoirs in in incubators, so you need to follow you know the, the directions in the in the user manual uh, and uh, and add you know water in the in the reservoirs, and then you said it takes 21 days. Uh, um, after five to seven days, uh, you can start seeing some development. Hopefully, if everything is going right, <laughs> uh, you start seeing, you know, 
some veins and little embryo. Um, I mean, candlers uh, are basically uh, bright uh, light. These are much better because they don't heat, you know, the egg uh, as you're, you know, as you're observing it. Um, so that's always that, you know, flashlight, even, you know, the, the, the flashlight app on the cell phone works, you know, really well as well. Um, so you just shine that light uh, at the large end of the egg and, uh, you know, probably in a darkened room so that you can really see what's going on inside. Um, some eggs that have pigmented shells are quite hard to see through. So beautiful sort of brown or green or even, you know, some sort of pinkish, beigeish uh, eggs are can be a little bit tricky to see through but um, you can definitely you know see the embryo and then as the embryo grows it gets dark in the egg but you can see movements and uh, so that's uh, you can you can follow on you know I, I like to you know candle the eggs pretty much every day but that's that's me because I really still fascinated you know even after all these years in you know seeing uh, the embryo develops, so I just, you know, check on it every day. <laughs> so you don't have to. Um, it's really, it's really up to you. But it's pretty cool. I should say that, uh, you know, the the name uh, candles or candling uh, comes from the fact that, you know, in old days, that's exactly what they used. You know, they were sort of holding the egg above a, you know, a candle to try and, uh, you know, in the dark to try and see, you know, what was going on. So. Then the, the name stuck. Um, so then uh, you should remove any eggs that are not, uh, you know, developing. Or if you some have started developing and um, and die, so they they wouldn't look uh, the same. You know, if in that leave, you know, the eggs for, for a couple more days. You know, sometimes you know, especially if you're new to incubation, you're not exactly sure whether. Uh, an egg is still developing or not. I say, if in that, just leave it a couple, three days more, you know, and again, and then, you know, the difference will be more obvious. But if you start, either you're not seeing anything, the egg has remained clear, you can see just, a, you know, the shadow of the of the oak. Uh, it's not going to go anywhere. It's usually not going to rot very quickly. So, but still, you know, might as well remove them. Uh, the ones that can cause issues with bacterial contamination, if you really leave them in there, possible explosion, which is absolute uh, no, no. Exploding eggs in incubator is a terrible mess. So, um, yes, once you see eggs that started developing and quit, uh, then you should definitely remove them. You know, usually the structure is not going to be so. Uh, so defined and the contents are going to be sort of slushing inside and you know, that's that's definitely a quitter and you should remove it you know to uh, to prevent contamination of the ones that are developing you know going along two days yeah yeah so the two days for chickens yes I mean different you know the ducks take 28 days you know or quail, uh, you know, pheasant take, you know, the 16, 18 days. So it really, you know, it depends. But yeah, chickens typically take 21 days. Uh, some, and I'm talking regular, I mean, the banties uh, sometimes take a little less, you know, between, you know, 19 and 21. Usually, you know, the larger the egg, the longer it takes to hatch. <laughs> um, 
but yes, yeah, so but any for any type of egg, uh, two days prior to hatching, uh, you you will need to stop the turning. Uh, otherwise, they you know they get disoriented and uh, they uh, they run the risk of hatching at the wrong end. So at the large end, there's the air sac, and that's where they want to need to pip into and you know and then break you know through. If they pip at the other end, um, you know they typically sort of don't make it. There's sort of no there's no air sac, so they're kind of draining fluids and you know don't make it out. So. So you stop the turning two days, uh, you know, prior to hatching. And uh, so if you have, you know, any mechanism that can be removed is usually removed. Either it's an egg disc or some, you know, egg carriers that, you know, tilt or that's all removed. Uh, and uh, preferably, you know, if there's hatching mats, you know, we provide hatching mats for our incubators that provide a, a, a grippy surface uh, for the chicks to, you know, to stand on. And uh, and also it helps contain the mess. So, uh, but if if there isn't, you know, some some you know kitchen paper, you know, that would work works works quite well as well. Uh, and then you also need to increase the humidity. So typically there's you know two reservoirs or one reservoir with a, a division. But basically, you know, you need to fill out uh, all the water reservoirs in in the incubator. Uh, because humidity needs to be quite high at, at during um, you know hatching. Uh, basically, once the uh, chick you know starts pipping and the membranes, the shell membranes get exposed, uh, if they dry out, they get really tough and leathery, and basically the chick is trapped inside. So you want to keep those membranes nice and supple. So high humidity uh, during incubation, typically. 40-50% humidity uh, for hatching above 65%. So, and once the chicks themselves start hatching, obviously they're wet when they come out of the egg, and that'll boost uh, the humidity further. So, uh, and help you know the others uh, hatch as well. So, uh, and then that's it. It's it's a it's a time when you have to be patient because from the moment where you see that. Uh, we were talking about okay. boosting humidity and the chickens hatching. Well, we were talking about hatching, and I was just about to say that that's when you have to be patient. So I'll just, uh, you tell me when you start. I was asking you, and this is 21 days it takes them to hatch from when yes. they're laid? Yeah, and incubator, I should, I should say that, but an incubator is not a microwave. It will not speed up the process. You know, it still takes 21 days. <laughs> So, that doesn't um, so, yeah, sound that long. I don't know. Maybe it would. <laughs> I, I guess well, it's long enough, but yeah, no, I, I think it's, you know, I don't know. Yeah, never, never really sort of questioned it. You know? <laughs> yes. So, yes, um, as I was saying, you know, watching time is, is really when you have to uh, be patient because from um, the moment when the uh, the chick, you know, breaks through the shell, you know, you see that just that one little blip, uh, then a lot of things need to uh, happen internally uh, until it can 
the sort of start cranking around the shell and actually come out. And that whole process uh, can take up to 24 hours. So, you know, uh, anybody new to incubation will say, oh, great, they're starting to hatch and, you know, and nothing's happening and they think that something's gone wrong and they're going to try and help. And, you know, and that's when, and that's when you make a mess and, and you shouldn't. So, First rule is be patient. Uh, don't try to interfere. I mean, if you open uh, the incubator, that humidity, that high humidity, that is going to get lost. And so, obviously, if the memory is right, then the chicks are going to get trapped. So you've done more harm than good. So, you know, as I say, from that first, uh, pip, some you know, some will be really quick and some will not. So you know, it, it can take you know 24 to 48 hours until you know, until they uh, you know they come out. So that's that's a time to be you know to be patient, not open the incubator. You know, let let things you know happen. And once they've hatched, um, you shouldn't remove them from the incubator until they're dry and fluffy. Um, otherwise, they they chill and they can die. So, so that's uh, you know our incubators are are all very um, have very clear you know domes or lids, so you can you know observe what's going on uh, very easily. And especially if you're doing it with children, they get a very good view of what's uh, you know what's what's going on. So um, you know. It's, so a couple of things quite, you don't know uh, about quite me. An exciting time. One, I actually grew up like 15 miles outside of New York City. So I am like really a city girl and know nothing about chickens. So the very first chicks I ever saw hatched were in an incubator in the kindergarten classroom next door to me um, where I was teaching once. And that is about the closest I've ever come, even though we've had chickens all these years. I don't know why we never really like... Our chickens just never wanted to sit on the eggs or something. Like we only, once we had like a banty that hatched an egg, but they didn't last very long. And then none of them ever, or that laid egg that sat on the nest. I don't know. Like I was saying, the first time we ever had chickens that actually like made it through the hatching and everything was just two years ago. Um, but my question is like, you guys reached out to me, like, can you do this at any time of year? Or do you have to do this in the spring? Like, this is where I'm, I'm like, I'm a New Yorker and my ignorance comes. Like, could with my listeners, whenever <laughs> no, this episode gets released, can they like order chicks on any given day of the year? Or like, how does that work? Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, um, you know, like all animals, you know, usually spring is the best time. I mean, typically that's when, you know, obviously chickens will carry on uh, laying, but not so much. I mean, they, they, they obviously, you know, it's, uh, it's built in their, uh, you know, their instinct that if they, if they're going to hatch chicks in the dead of winter, the chances of survival for those chicks is not very good. Um, so, you know, typically, you know, spring is is the best time for for hatching because you know they hatch in the spring and they have the whole you know summer to you know to grow and become hardy and winter comes they'll survive they'll be you know ready and, and then the cycle goes on but having said that you can find a lot of uh you know availability you know through the summer and the fall i mean some people who have their own flock even will hatch uh, you know, in the winter, 
then obviously they have to provide you know, heat uh, for the you know for the chicks and you know obviously uh, protected accommodation you know a nice coop that they may depending on the you know on the area uh, might have to you know provide heat in the coop as well but not usually necessary but if you have younger birds it, it, it may you know adult birds are quite quite hardy even in very cold uh, climates so um so yes you i can, know you after start, that grizzly bear know, came through the first time and we still had like a i don't know there was a rooster that made it i think and like he would not go back in that chicken house he slept every night for like two years in a tree through super yeah, cold yeah. here and everything and he was just like uh so sad anyway uh so and besides you were saying like in florida now you're just going into your garden season so it's not so hot so it might be a time yep. when uh people might want to order chicks in florida or like warm climates whereas like we're headed into mm -hmm. winter um i'm curious about like so i have these two tiny chickens that are like you know, they're getting big enough, like, they're still small enough, my husband is afraid that they will climb through chicken um, wire that's not, like, the super tiny, like, mm. one inch, like, he thinks they will yeah. get through the bigger um, pen, like, we thought we were getting chickens and not chicks, <laughs> anyway, uh, long story short, so like what should i be like should i be giving them any kind of thing besides like the laymash or scratch or whatever we get from the store like i've been putting like lettuce in there and then i made them like a little bed with like oregano because i remember reading somewhere that like oregano calms them and they're so scared like i i want to catch them but like they i don't know they keep crawling into this hole where i can't reach them in the chicken pen right well you try and want to entice them with little treats like mealworms or things like that so that they get used to you and and also you know if you're you know try um, but just you know from from below obviously if you're anything you know a hand or something hovering over them is danger you know predators birds grab them you know so you, they, they're, they're programmed to react adversely to anything coming from above so try to be at their level and you know if you're going to offer something you know so sort of under under them you know so they can see it and they can sort of come investigate and you know i say mealworms you know work quite well for us uh, and once they get used to them they'll come up to the house and come and for them but um that's assuming obviously they're free ranging so <laughs> But, um, no, you our can, chickens you... are definitely not free ranging. Like that's where no, a lot of right. our trouble came from. Like I was like, well, I know you don't want to let them in the garden, but can't we let them out back where like it goes into kind of the foresty area, so they're fenced out of the garden, and then the chickens, I don't know, there were like several problems, and then they would just fly over the fence into the garden. So that was like kind of a problem between my husband and I for a few years. Oh yeah, there. definitely. Because yes. I'm always like, why can't they just get out and walk around? And then I go to my neighbor's houses and I don't understand. But probably what my neighbors are doing is they're clipping their wings so that they can't get into their garden areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some 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 people do that. I say, you know, either you have a, you know, a sort of complete enclosure, you know, I mean, usually covered as well not yeah just, we have I mean, a really big they have a really big area a very like bigger than most good. dogs get 
<laughs> by far like it's it's a really big they have a yeah. huge chicken house and then they have a really big pen um and like i said there's these bushes in there that like you know they've eaten every other thing like nothing else can survive but for some reason these bushes just like and so i think it's good like there's lots of bugs and there's you know there's shade yeah. like i said and there's protection in the winter and just they really like that and it was like yeah 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 but um it's important. I mean, people don't realize that, you know, chickens eat, you know, a lot of vegetation and need, you know, a lot of grass. They, they do. I mean, you know, if you, that's why you have these, you know, these, these mobile tractors, you know, chicken tractors for, you know, people who can, so you need to move them around. In the same area, uh, you know, grassy area, soon it will be pretty bare and they'll, you know, they will have stripped that to, you know, to death. So, um, yeah, they do need, you know, do need vegetation um i mean you can supplement you know uh chickens will eat you know pretty much anything i mean there's things like you shouldn't give them uh uh plants that are you know so toxic to them i mean for us here in florida you know citrus and avocado is absolutely no no but um you know the whole nightshade family would you know includes you know potatoes tomatoes eggplant that's that's toxic to them um you know onions as well can cause anemia causes anemia for a whole bunch of not just chickens, you know, but cats as well, apparently. So I mean, we have cats. That's how I knew. That's how I first knew about you know onion being not 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 a good thing to give to animals. But yes, but you know, and you can give them you know kitchen you know scraps. They really love you know pasta, spaghetti. I mean, they love you know the fight over spaghetti. It's real fun to watch. But you know. As a rule of thumb, you shouldn't, you know, the scraps, the kitchen scraps shouldn't be more than about 10% of their, you know, of their diet. So, um, you know, if they're outside and they have a lot of area to, you know, to roam, obviously they're going to find, you know, the bugs and the vegetation that, that they need to, to eat. So obviously, you know, supplementing it, you know, with, you know, proprietary, you know, bought you know chicken feed uh is you know is good and as i say a few you know a few treats of you know kitchen scraps and worms and you know probably have a you know a good uh, balance i mean here you know they they love uh you know especially in the summer when it gets so hot you know watermelons is, is a great good great but you know pumpkins you know it's just you know they, they love they, they do they do need you know vegetation as well um it's not just protein perfect so what product do you recommend for backyard gardeners sorry like is there a pro yeah what well, like what do you uh, think is the best way to start for backyard gardeners that have never had chickens before well as i say there's two routes either you get the chicks and then you need you know what i would recommend is a heat plate brooder because if you when you get those you know day old chicks as i say they will need you know heat for at least a couple of weeks depending on the climate for us in florida here a couple of weeks is enough but you know in, in you know further north obviously you know a month until they're feathered then they can you know so so you need to think about that and obviously a feeder and a drinker um and and obviously you know they're going to need to be in some sort of you know of enclosure i mean initially when they're very small you know a big uh you know rubber made sort of uh storage you, you know 
like the thing is that you put your Christmas ornaments in, uh, works quite well. Obviously, without without the lid, what my husband has done is is actually put some wire <clears throat> on the you know cut out part of the part of the lid and put some you know small wire there because you know they were well a we have cats uh, so but the cats don't actually show very much interest in the chickens. Um, well, sort of in, in the house, and they're part of the household, and they're just saying, "Nah, and that's fine, not not interesting." But um, but also to prevent the chicks from fluttering out, and that's you know, because they the uh, wing feathers are the first things that they kind of develop, and so within you know a week or two, they're they're sort of fluttering out. So you don't want you don't want that either, and then obviously graduate to being you know you know a larger pen. So I mean, you need to plan you know ahead. Uh, a little, obviously, you know, if you uh, if you decide to go the the route of of incubating your own, then obviously you need to you know purchase an incubator or borrow one if you can, you know, just to get a feel of you know whether that's something that you want to invest in, um, and then get familiar with the incubator. We always recommend before you get your eggs, you know, get familiar with the with the equipment, get it. And, uh, you know, because once you introduce the eggs, the temperature is going to drop. So you might as well a little, you know, until. So you, you just need to make sure everything's working fine before you introduce the eggs. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, but that's, that, that's about it. As I say, you know, if you're starting from scratch, you know, incubator, obviously, you know, some, some flashlight, as I say, you don't have to purchase a actual candler you know a nice led is is is, is all you need um and then obviously you still you know you'll need you know the brooder the feeder the drinker and then you need to think you know along the line as uh, you know how you will accommodate the chickens you know pen coop you know free range <laughs> Yeah, see, we got one of those chicken tractors, and that's why I'm saying Mike thinks that the the he doesn't want me to put them in there because he thinks that the wire is still too big. And I was like, come on, those chickens, I think they're big enough because it's like one inch or two inch. I don't know, whatever it is. It's like regular chicken wire, not the super tiny small one. And he's like, no, they'll get right oh, out of yeah. there. So uh, my other question, wait, I was just going to ask you about I, isn't the candler something for like if you're going to sell the eggs to people for food like what I thought that's what candling was for well okay uh well no I mean candling is basically uh you you see what's going on inside so um typically obviously if you're, you're observing the progress during incubation but also I mean if you're collecting eggs and you know to sell and you are uh, you have you have a rooster let's assume you have a rooster uh, then obviously you 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 do want to candle the eggs is you don't want to sell somebody something that would you know have started developing I mean obviously most people will collect the eggs you know every day but sometimes you know chickens are sneaky and they'll lay somewhere and you haven't spotted it. so gosh there's a whole lot eggs here and you know then that, that's probably the ones that would be a good idea to you know to candle obviously you don't want to sell somebody you know an egg that started developing so you'd be able to to see that but i mean otherwise you know if if you only have hens and no rooster obviously you know there's no chance of those eggs developing uh 
and uh, you know the only other reason that you'd want to you know candle the eggs even if you you know they haven't got a chance of developing is to see what the air cell is doing the air you know if the eggs have been you know sitting out there for, for too long you know they start dehydrating and the air cell is you know is larger and you'd be able to see that and obviously you know not you know would be a good idea to sell to sell that egg or those eggs um so um so yeah basically you know a candler is is uh, you know allows you to 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 look inside the egg okay and then a couple more questions uh like are there benefits to having a rooster? Like we like to have a rooster kind of like, I don't know. It just always seems more like a fit. And of course we're always trying to raise more chickens, even though we have not been very successful at it. But, um, you know, we really have the chickens for the manure and then the eggs are just always considered the bonus. Like Mike wants the manure for the garden first and foremost is why we've always had chickens. But right, once you right. get used to having chicken eggs, it's almost impossible to go back the other way. <laughs> yes i know <laughs> i think i do i just i miss the chickens so much and just um they just become a part of your and they're so easy to take care of they really um are not you know a a, a hard animal to other no. than like for us the biggest protection is from animals yeah i mean chickens are not are not you know demanding i mean they make you know good pets as well i mean there's there's so many different breeds of chickens. Some are more, more, some are more, make more, you know, more pets and, you know, better pets, especially if you have, you know, children. But um, yes, I mean, yes, the, the, the fertilizer is, is usually why a lot of, you know, people and the eggs, obviously, I mean, that's, that's the thing, but, you know, and then obviously if you can, um, you can, you know, obviously they, they can be a, a, you know, sustainable uh, food source. If you, if you have the courage of, you know, of, of, of culling them, of butchering them, then obviously, you know, you know what's gone, there's bones, and, you know, so it's, you know, if you, if you have the courage, as I say, I personally, my husband deals with that aspect of things when, you know, when we have to, as I say, usually, you know, when you hatch, you don't know what gender you get, and inevitably we end up with too many roosters. So, uh, you know, they end up in the pot, but I, uh, yes, I, I cook them, but I don't, uh, I don't kill them. <laughs> I know, but that's another thing, like Mike and I just keep going back and forth away. So I'm like, if you're going to eat chickens, wouldn't it be better that at least they're you know raised here humanely than if i'm gonna buy chicken from the store anyway plus it's healthier for him but the um because we're let to the like here's my total ignorance like that so i call the the guy in town and i'm like hey do you have any chickens and he's like yes but they're not sexed yet and that should have been my first cue that if they're not big enough to be sexed yet they're probably going to be babies, but of course, no. And he just go. goes and gets them and hands me a box. And it was a fairly small box, but we're, you know, I knew they were going to be small chickens. Yeah. I don't know. I can't yeah. believe how hard it's been to get chickens. Like we've been looking for a long time. We finally found this guy on Facebook who wanted $10 a chicken. And we we're like, okay, we'll pay the $10, whatever. And then like, we could never seem to connect. So then I finally called the guy in town again. And like, I had asked him in the spring and he only had chicks and we didn't want the chicks back then. So we didn't get them then. And then he was like, I'm getting chickens in July. And so then I called him, like I said, like three weeks ago, I was like, Hey, did you ever get those chickens? And 
long story short. But anyway, what I was asking you, are there benefits to having a rooster besides that you'll get? Like, is there any benefits to a flock? Like, do they just make the chickens calmer? Or do, is there anything that like... No, not... Not, no, no, not really. I mean, the only advantage, obviously, is if you want to, you know, to breed. You know, if you're just having for the manure and for the eggs, you know, the hens will. It just restarted. I don't know. Anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what you heard last, but I was... yeah. So uh, yes, benefits of a. Not, not, not really. As I say, yes, if you want to, you know, produce your own, your own chicks, and you're allowed to, you know, to keep roosters, then, uh, you know, but, but if you're just in it for, you know, for the eggs and the, the fertilizer, then, you know, hens will lay, you know, irrespective of the presence of a, of a rooster, uh, you know. So same way that you can ovulate, and there's no, you know, without the presence of a man. <laughs> so same, uh, same thing. So yeah. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else we haven't mentioned? Like, I know Liz said that you were going to maybe give a discount to listeners, a 10% discount if they use the code green. Is there anything yes, else? And yes, like, do you want to tell them about your uh, website and everything? Like, I just thank you so much for sharing all this today. And before welcome. we lose our connection for good, I just want to make sure I get all this in. Sure, there. sure. Yes, yes. Well, yes, we'd, uh, we'd like to offer a 10% uh, off with coupon code GREEN, and that's uh, capital less GREEN, and uh, that's 10% off everything, even the products that are already on sale. Um, I should say not off the, we have a section of scratches. And then products, they're already heavily discounted. So the coupon wouldn't work on, on the scratch and dance, but it would work on everything else. And um, on our website, .com, that's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com, there are a lot of uh, resources. Uh, we have a ink that can be downloaded for free or, you know, incubation handbook that talks you through, you know, the whole process, the whole process of incubation, you know, from start to finish, but there's also other articles uh, that cover specific aspects like, you know, humidity or, you know, and then there's articles about, you know, brooding and, you know, how to get the best of heat plate brooders. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of information. Um, so it's, uh, I encourage, you know, anybody who's new to, you know, incubation and chicken keeping to, uh, you know, take a look. What has business been like during COVID-19? It's been, it's, well, we didn't know what to expect initially, but um, it, it's been challenging because the demand has been extremely high. Uh, and it also coincided with our peak season. I mean, spring is always, you know, the busiest time of year for us. Uh, but this year has been absolutely crazy and uh, caught us completely, you know, by, by surprise. And uh, we um, had real difficulties and still are uh, having difficulties, you know, putting enough, <laughs> enough products. We still have some items that are, you know, out of stock and on, on back order. I mean, the, the production uh, is, uh, is done in, in the UK. Um, 
and uh, obviously they, they've been impacted as well. And uh, you know, sourcing uh, the components, uh, you know, there's been delays on that front. But also, you know, putting in place social distancing, you know, in in the production area, um, you know, slowed down things, you know, initially. Uh, but you know, now it's all it's all up and and running, and we're you know we're catching up. But uh, it's certainly been uh, been challenging. <laughs> Awesome. Well, anything else you want to tell anybody? Hmm. No. No, not. I, I think we've covered it all, really. Um. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Pascal, for everything you've shared today and just being such a great resource. And uh, and have a wonderful day. Thanks it's for been, giving my listeners a, a discount code. No, no problem. It's been pleasure, Jackie. You take care. Okay, you too. Bye. Hey, everyone. Have I told you about the Forager Project? They're a 100% organic plant-based food company based in California, dedicated to making a world a better place than they found it. Don't you love that? They make yogurts, kefirs, all these cool things out of organic cashews. Do you know that cashews are actually a seed on an apple? Yeah, I found the coolest um, video on cashews. Anyway, so they turn these cashews into sour cream, cottage cheese, milk, yogurts. Um, they're really delicious. They sent me samples, actually, in a FedEx box with ice. It was so cool. Um, they're absolutely delicious. Forager Project is passionate about creating healthy, organic, plant-based food and equally passionate about nurturing a healthy democracy. They believe that voting is the most essential ingredient needed to do this. Forager wants to inspire everyone to get out and vote, and that means you participate in our democracy. They provide voting resources and information for you at foragerproject.com forward slash vote, or on the socials like Instagram, Twitter, etc. at Forager Project. Cultivate democracy, vote freegardencourse.com uh, Mike and I have developed some lessons to help you create your very own organic oasis we'll guide you through the steps to build your perfect natural landscape, an edible earth-friendly yard, a sustainable deep bed garden, or even start a pro small profitable market farm we'll show you how to save time lower your produce bill, collect usable data, eat healthy nutritious food with minimal labor um, use the most effective and efficient production methods currently being used in backyard gardens as well as market farms and maybe even help you find some profitable markets. We've designed it to save you time, lower your produce bill, and help you eat healthy, nutritious food. Um, there's checklists, there's outside reading, video assignments. Uh, you can join the online Facebook community where there's lots of people from around the world to help you get your garden started today. So remember, freegardencourse.com. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening. And remember, grow local. Grow local.